So we'll continue, seventh chapter, Bhagavad Gita. Knowledge of the Absolute. Text 19. Bahunam and Janmanam ante, Janavam man prapajinte, Vasudeva sarvamiti, Samahatma sadurlaba. After many births and deaths, he was actually in knowledge. Surrenders unto me, knowing me to be the cause of all causes and all that is. Such a great soul is very rare. Omajana Trimanandasya, Janajana Salakaya, Chakshun Militanyena, Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha. I was born in the darkness of ignorance, but my spiritual master has opened my eyes with the torch light of knowledge. I offer my most respectful obeisances unto him. So last week we discussed four mentalities of those that have no inclination to, no inclination for spiritual upliftment. That text 15, those miscreants who are grossly foolish, they're all miscreants, they're all misdirected. The ones that are grossly foolish, the mudhas, only interested in life, day-to-day life. Their existence is compared to that of an ass, mudha. The lowest among mankind whose knowledge is stolen by illusion and who partake of atheistic nature of demons do not surrender unto me. And then Krishna goes on in the 16th verse to explain those people that, are, that have some inclination to take refuge in the Supreme. And that inclination is often, often precipitated by some experience in the world. Well, best among the bards, four kinds of pious men begin to render devotional service unto me. The distressed, the desire of wealth, the inquisitive, and he who is searching for knowledge of the absolute. Four are rejecting the supreme and four are approaching the supreme, but the approach of the four is conditional. Their condition in the material world and their approaching the supreme Lord is is based on that condition. So whatever condition they are in, they are approaching the supreme. Some are approaching because they, uh, they want more out of life. They want some opulence. Uh, some are approaching because life isn't treating them nicely. So they're in distress. So they want relief of that distress. Sandwiched in between those two. It's funny that uh, one of the uh, commentators on Bhagavad Gita says Krishna has put in the middle one who has some inquisitiveness with the hope of that inquisitiveness rubbing off on the other two. (laughs) The one that simply wants opulence and the one that simply wants relief from distress. That's the way he saw Krishna composing that verse. That, well, let me put this in between so that those that are more inclined towards materialism can have some good association by the one that's just inquisitive about what is God. Where did I come from? Why am I here? And then... Krishna ends the verse with the person that actually has knowledge. He actually has realization of the fact that he is not this material body and that there is the supreme and he realizes that the ultimate objective is to have some relationship on the spiritual realm. Now Krishna goes on to praise that particular personality. 
Of these, the one who is in full knowledge and who is always engaged in pure devotional service is the best. For I am very dear to him, and he is dear to me. This verse, this, this last word in these verses, Priya, Priya, very dear, sweet, loving, a loving relationship, Priya. Tesam jnana nitya yukta. Krishna goes on to further glorify that personality. All these devotees, they're all considered Mahatmas, great souls, just for approaching the Supreme no matter what their objective. All these devotees are undoubtedly magnanimous souls. But he who is situated in knowledge of me, I consider to be just like my own self. Being engaged in my transcendental service, he is sure to attain me, the highest and most perfect goal. The distinguishing factor is the jnani, the one who is in knowledge of the Supreme, he's convinced that that's the only thing that will satisfy him. The others are not quite there yet. They're not quite there. But the jnani, he knows, I may still want something in this, in this world, but he has enough spiritual qualification. Adhikari is the word that's used there. He has enough adhikari. Spiritual qualification to mean even though, to know that even though I'm in this world and subjected to the modes of material nature, goodness, passion, and ignorance, and sometimes these modes get the better of me, still, despite that, I know the ultimate objective is a relationship with Krishna, with the Supreme Lord. So that's his distinguishing factor. So all of them are Mahatmas, all of them are great souls, but he has this special, specific qualification. He knows that the ultimate objective of spiritual realization is Lord Krishna, the Supreme Lord. Or whatever specific manifestation of the Lord he may be attracted to. Now we're coming in the line of Gaudiya Vaishnavas and uh, our supreme worshipable object is Krishna in his most intimate manifestation, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, that supreme original personality of Godhead who enjoys in the pleasure groves of, of Goloka Vrindavan, Raj. Actually, it goes a little deeper than that. We actually are worshippers of Radharani. That's our ultimate objective. If we can become part of, uh, part of her serving group, that is the highest. We understand that she is the true. She's, she's at the heart of, of pure unalloyed devotional service. So in all earnestness, our desire is to be under her shelter. And if she says, serve Krishna, then we serve Krishna. It's a little bit esoteric, but Gaudiya Vaishnavism, is, as presented by Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, focuses on this particular point. 
So our, more fo- our focus is actually more on Radha than it is on Krishna. Uh, why? She's the topmost devotee. And what do we want to do? We want to come to the platform of being a pure devotee. So why not take shelter of the topmost devotee? So that's our objective. So this verse tonight. Mahunam janmanam ante gyanavam mad prapajate vasudeva sarvamiti samahatma sadurlava. So these other three, those that are desiring some material opulence or position, maybe they're desiring to go to the heavenly planets and enjoy like gods, and have lifetimes that are unimaginable to us on this plane where. We're luckily if we make it to a hundred and where the, the everything that they desire is immediately supplied by this material energy. Not like here. If I want one of those fancy cars that uh, is sold at Sammy's dealership, I got I to gotta save up or I have to go and, and borrow the money from the bank and pay month in and month out. You, you know, yeah, I can finance it. <laughs> Sell my soul to the, uh, I don't know. It was an old song my mother used to listen to. One of those, you know, sell my soul. Working in the coal mine day and night. This concept of wanting something from the Supreme or wanting for the Supreme to relieve me of my miserable material existence. Or I just want to know what is the Supreme? Who is God? Where is He? What's He about? Who am I? How did I get here? Why didn't I have a choice in which body I got? Why wasn't I born, why wasn't I born in, uh, in that uh, oil-rich country over there uh, where everybody is a multimillionaire? Isn't there one of those countries, Saudi Arabia or something? Everybody's really, really rich. Of course, they live in a desert. But <laughs> yeah, what the heck? Oh, they also take seawater and make pure water with it. They're the only people that can afford one of those plants. Krishna's talking about the person that knows that the ultimate objective is him. And the others, well, it's going to happen, but uh, what is that word? Janmanam? Janma, what does that mean? Birth, janmanam, repeated again and again. As long as, I may have knowledge of the Supreme, but as long as there is some self-motivation along the lines of material opulence, along the lines of relief, moksha, liberation, right? He wants relief. As long as it's just a passing fancy. I'd like to have some spiritual knowledge. What's the poor port bring out? Generally those people that just have a they generally tend lean towards impersonalism. Buddhism? Yeah, like that. Like like I'm the supreme. Like I'm spirit. I'm God. Well, I'm equal to all the gods, and we're all God. Right. 
as you are God, I am God, we are all God, and we are all in this together, or whatever. They have so many different philosophies they, they come to. Whereas the person, that specific person that Krishna singles out, he already knows there's God, and he already knows the ultimate objective for me is to serve him unconditionally, not for the opulence, not for the relief from misery, not just because it might, it's, it's a passing fancy, it's, it's curiosity to me. No, he has enough knowledge to know it's what's the right thing to do. If we have the, any of those other inclinations, it's time to set them aside. Why? This one word in this verse should be a key. Janma. What comes with janma? Janma mritya, jaravyadi, birth, death, old age, disease. These four come together. So when we say janma, it really means janma and all the associated things that come with it. Not only do you take the birth, but what? You grow old. You get diseased. Now, when you get diseased to an extent that the body just can't work anymore, you move on. Like Bhakti Ross. And now, can you remove the disease? Just was, huh? Can you remove the disease and just grow old? You wish. They, they wish. I don't know. Have they done it yet? We're getting close. We're getting close. You're getting close. It costs money. Yes, material nature is always there. Ah, we're almost there. We've almost conquered this old age. We've almost conquered all the diseases. As soon as they conquer all the diseases, then what happens? Then there's a new one. Oh, we've got polio and tuberculosis, and you know we got these covered. We got we can get a shot. When the kids are young, they can all get their shots and they won't catch these smallpox, these big plagues. And then what? Material nature says, okay, try to get rid of this one. <laughs> and a new one comes up. What is it now? It's, uh, it's uh, AIDS or cancer. So many cancers. Or Ebola. You don't have Yeah, so... <laughs> So this this is this comes with janma. What's really the the good point of this verse is let's get past this conditional stuff. Get past the conditional stuff. Understand that you really are simply a servant of Krishna. Understand this. Become come to that very rare position. Mm. Such a, such a great soul is very rare. It's a durlaba, durlaba. It's curious because um, Prabhupada quotes the Shvetashvatara Upanishad, but he doesn't give the translation. He says this verse is very nicely explained in the third chapter, but he doesn't really... No, he's yeah, very... Yeah, it's in the third chapter. Yeah, I don't have that verse. I don't have that. that, but he does that every once in a while. He does. Kind of frustrates me. No, 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 no. That's that's the impetus to get out the uh, yeah. get out those other texts. <laughs> you know, if you really want to see here. You know. Well, I can pick out a little bit of the Sanskrit. 
or learn Sanskrit. He's yes. Sahasra Sirsa Purusha. That's when you get on the phone. Yeah, that's when I send you an email. <laughs> and you call up Garuda, who's a Sanskrit PhD, and you yeah. say, Oh, by the way, could you open the Bhagavad Gita as it is to 393 and give me the yeah. English translation? Prabhupada didn't give it to us in his poor port. <laughs> Those whose intelligence has been stolen by material desires surrender unto demigods and follow the particular rules and regulations of worship according to their own natures. Now, Krishna's saying, there are this, there's this other class of materialists that doesn't have the intelligence to come to me. He's not a Mahatma. For at, least, at least one that comes to me, I give him his material desire. But I also do it in such a way that ultimately he becomes what? He becomes one of those very rare Mahatmas those rare souls that ultimately surrender to me to know that I am the ultimate objective, that that's all that I need. And we see throughout the Bhagavat, the Bhagavatam, we see like Gajendra, Gajendra, he was in distress and Krishna saved him. Dhruva Maharaj, he wanted material opulence and Krishna gave it to him. But what does Krishna give along with those benedictions that one may desire? Himself. Knowledge of himself. Simply in seeing Krishna when he comes to save us from a distressful condition or he comes to uh, give us the results of severe austerities like Dhruva Maharaj, immediately, well, I was looking for pieces of broken glass and now I have the gem of just seeing you. I have no, that's, I don't want what I asked for. <laughs> Forget that I even asked for it, will you? Yeah, Krishna is such, so kind that he fulfills those desires even though the devotees come to the position of, of moving beyond them. Uh, just as an example of the fact. And to exemplify the point that he makes in these next four verses. These next four verses are there to show what? There is a class of men who would rather worship someone else. What do I do? Well, I give them the faith. I give them the faith. I increase their faith, as a matter of fact. And what do I also do? I give those demigods that they're worshiping, those other those other personalities they think can do a better job than me <laughs> I give them the facility to fulfill their desires so really Krishna is the one that's fulfilling the desires the demigods are also his servants so I mean if I'm working for the government and I'm in charge of doling out whatever particular agency I may be in I dole out money that's all they do in government right they throw money at people things. So I may be in, in, in charge of this or that department of government. I may be in charge of the sun or the moon or the whatever particular material thing is there. And, and the, the, those that have no intelligence, they worship me. But I'm a representative of what? I'm a representative of 
the supreme personality of government. <laughs> now, used to that, you would say king, a person, an individual. Now we don't like individuals. We can't trust any of them. So we have this democracy stuff. Or we have this communism stuff. We have so many other ways that we come up with ruling ourselves. But here's Krishna saying the rule of the universe is such that I'm the one that gives you the inspiration. If you don't want me, well, I'll, I'll give you inspiration to go to whoever you do feel can su supply what you want so that you can worship them. And I supply them the ingredients to, to satisfy your desire. I'm in everyone's heart as the super soul. As soon as one desires to worship some demigod, I make the, his face steady so that he can devote himself to that particular deity. Endowed with such a faith, he endeavors to worship a particular demigod and obtain his desires. But in actuality, these benefits are bestowed by me alone. I'm the one that's in the background Krishna is saying, I'm the one that's really supplying the ingredients and fulfilling the desire, but they're just so foolish, they're thinking, oh, the demigod he's giving me. Men of small intelligence worship the demigods, and their fruits are limited and temporary. Those who worship the demigods go to the planets of the demigods, but, though, but my devotees ultimately reach my supreme planet. Even if the devotee has some material objective in his worship. Because ultimately, just having any connection with the supreme pure, we ultimately become pure. That's what's being brought out here. If we have any relationship with the supreme, even one of asking Give me this, give me that, give me something else. At least we're going to the proper source. But the task at hand is to what? Rise to the platform where that little ingredient of birth and its associates, death, old age, disease, is not part of our picture that we throw away those self-motivated, that self-motivated worship, which carries with it the baggage of continued material existence. And after many births and deaths, how many? How long do you want it to take you? How long are you going to hold on to those desires that are not on the platform of pure devotional service. And that is primarily dictated by the association of Krishna's pure unalloyed devotees. When we have an opportunity for that kind of association, we run towards that. Wasn't that our class on Sunday? We were studying teachings of, of the discussion between Ramananda Roy and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. 
And Sri Chaitanya was not satisfied until all the conditional stuff, when Ramananda Roy went beyond those conditional things, even surrendering to Krishna, only when he introduced the concept of pure devotional service without any tinge of motivation, without any desire whatsoever, did Lord Chaitanya take an interest in, well, yes, now, now I want to hear. I don't want to hear about this jnana karma. I don't want to hear about this surrender just for surrender's sake because you're God. No. But when you start talking about love unconditionally, now that sparks my interest. Now I like that. How does that develop? And then when he started hearing, oh, you can become a servant of God. I can become a servant of God? Is there something more than that? Oh, yes. You can become his dear friend. I can become a dear friend. And what else? You can become their par- God's parent. And what else? Well, you can become an intimate lover of God. Oh, and how's that happen? And then we really get into some, oh, but all this is above any, any sense of awe and reverence. Lord Chaitanya's interest was sparked when the awe and reverence was set aside. Then he took interest. Oh, that, that, anya vilasita sunyam janakarmajana vritam anu kuyena krishna anu silanam bhaktir uttama Uttama bhakti, kevala bhakti, pure unalloyed bhakti, no tinge of anything else, just pure service. I have a question. Yes, ma'am. While you're distracted for a moment here. Um, so in Indian culture, because there's so much demigod worship, is that why it's, you know, when... when um, when Indians come to temples here, to you know, uh, Hare Krishna temples, they have a hard time kind of getting with Krishna consciousness. They do because basically the Hindu culture, their tradition, kind of equates Krishna with Shiva yeah. and Ganesh, and Vish- Vish- Krishna is just a manifestation of Vishnu and Vishnu and Brahma and Shiva and Ganesh. These, what are, and who else? Lakshmi? I think they have five. Saraswati, five, yes. So they worship five primary de- and they Durga, yes, I'm sorry. Yes, Durga. So they worship these five as equal. They don't, their theistic conception hasn't developed to the point of understanding anything beyond the 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 providers yeah. their worships are basically very conditional their traditional worship is is very conditional i worship ganesh for opulence i worship this one for protection i i worship so many gods and they are taking care of me in so many ways. They don't have this deeper theistic knowledge that Krishna is speaking about right here in the 7th chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. 
Now, now Vaishnavism in general, not specifically Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Mm -hmm. Vaishnavism in general is then would then be considered the movement out of Hinduism that um, that focuses on a a more of a one supreme personality of Godhead. Yes, and that will you'll if you if you can make it on Sunday, that's what we're going to deal with. We're gonna. We're going to deal with a book. We're going to deal with a presentation based on a book by uh, Nishringa Swami, one of my godbrothers, called "The Evolution of of uh, Theism," and we'll show how in in contemporary times, since the Buddha, uh, which was before Jesus, uh, up through Buddha, Sankaracharya, Ramanujacharya, Madhvacharya, and then Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu how this highest conception, this highest theistic conception was gradually introduced to human society according to what? Time, place, and circumstance. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave something that those before had not given. And Madhvacharya gave up to a point, and then Ramanujacharya at least came to the point of, of you know, counteracting, uh, you know, Sankaracharya. So we'll go over that in detail. But yes, your point is well taken. Yes. There are other Gaudiya, there are other Vaishnavs, which are not in the Gaudiya school, which their worship may be of only Vishnu, Lakshmi, Lakshmi Narayan. Their objective, to go to Vaikuntha. The conception of Krishna being Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam, even though the verse is there in the Bhagavatam, they don't give emphasis to that verse. They don't see Krishna in Galok as supreme. They see Lakshmi Narayan in Vaikuntha as the supreme Istade, their supreme worshipful Lord. And you'll notice, though, we notice when, due to the grace of our lineage and our spiritual masters all these things are explained in such a way that they that we can see the harmony even though you have like Hanuman Sanatan Goswami in Brihat Bhagavatamrita he brings out the great devotion of Hanuman but Hanuman's supreme worshipful object is a manifestation of the Lord Sita Ram. Now, at a point, he's thinking, well, yes, maybe we should go, go, maybe I should leave here and go and, and actually enter into a deeper understanding of, of Radha Krishna. But then his service attitude and his love for Sita Ram held him back. No. What if Ram comes and he needs some service and I'm not here? He knows that I'm usually here. What if I go with you to see Prahlad and have this other, so we can discuss this more? That would be okay. It sounds exciting, but what if Ram comes? His service, his love for Ram was so significant. Lakshmi, Lakshmi wanted to know. Lakshmi from Vaikuntha, Lakshmi Narayan, who's always on the chest of the Lord, wanted to know, what is this Rasa dance like? 
but her whole service attitude was one of serving the Lord in Lord in awe and reverence with full opulence. She's the god of goddess of opulence in Vaikuntha. It's all coming about by her arrangement, all this opulence. So although she wanted to have some insight into what is this rasa lila that these gopis are experiencing for, with Krishna, I want to know. And she performed austerities for forever in our eyes to, to, to get a taste of that. But she couldn't enter into that. Because why? Her service attitude to Narayan was so strong in her heart that she couldn't give that up. But she had knowledge of it. So we notice a harmonizing, even though, like even in, in the pastimes of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he was introducing this concept of, of the worship of Radha Krishna in Vraj, in Galoka Vrindavan. But certain people already had their worshipful deity firmly established in their heart. And he said, fine, I'm not here to disrupt that. If you're, a, if you're a lover of Ram, then you love Ram. That's fine. But let me tell you, Ram isn't like Radha Krishna. And then he'd make jokes with them. Always respectful of their heart's desire. Our position is, we're just here trying to become devotees. And if Guru says, you worship like this, then we worship like that. We are at this position and Guru is there and he's saying this concept, this concept of Radha Krishna in Goloka Vrindavan, this is the concept you should try to try to put into your heart. If you do that, so he gives mantra, specific mantra. Kumkrishnaya, Govindaya, Gopijana Balavaya. Whoa, what is that? Where's that? What's that about? Hmm. Let me let me meditate on that every day, three times a day. After I've meditated on Sri Guru and his service, Guru Devaya, Krishna Nandaya. What's the Guru doing? How's the how's the guru, how is my Guru meditating? Let me first meditate on that. After I've meditated on the arrangement of this material universe, Sombor, Bhuvaswa. So all these things are there. We are, are being, the seed is being planted of this ultimate concept. And we are hopeful that we can clear ourselves enough of material aspiration to enter into the deepness of the Guru's instruction. Any other questions? So, uh, since, you, since you're on the topic, I'll just ask a follow-up. Um, so, in greeting, say, other Vaishnavs, or in, in meeting other Vaishnavs, should we, should we view them as having you know, just a different sub-platform, so to speak? No. Uh, no. How should we... Trinata peace, or First of all, most of the Vaishnavas you'll meet, contemporary Vaishnavas, are at least uh, anybody in the 
you know, in the Western world that is coming from another lineage. Uh, I mean, there's some gurus that come over here, but most of them are impersonalists. They have no concept of, of uh, Prem over and above that uh, given by Sankaracharya and his ultimate. Uh, there's that sect in New York, the Ramakrishnananda. They're also yeah. followers of Prabhupada. They read Prabhupada's books. Yeah, but they, they have a different... Uh, I know, he's mixed things in there. Yeah. He's just... Anyway, just we respect everybody. Uh, if, you're, if you can give that highest, highest knowledge, uh, but first, uh, just show respect. Better to better approach other Vaishnavs as, uh, in a respectful attitude if they're actually independent uh, in their in their theistic concept of that of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, for the most part, the Vaish- contemporary Vaishnavas will all be coming in the line of of the Goswamis, even in even in India, except for some. Most most of the Vaishnavas in India, uh, you know, they they actually have the concept of of uh, following the six Goswamis, who are the direct direct disciples of Sri Chaitanya. And especially any Western devotees you meet, they they're all coming through the mercy of uh, Bhakti Siddhanta and his disciples, and his specifically his primary disciple Bhakti Vedanta. So, the concept is the concepts are there, and they're properly established in those books. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much.